Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And thank you again for joining us on another awesome, awesome episode. And you're going to love who we have with us today. Today, we have with us Dr. Jean Kenagogi. Jean is the Director of Mental Health and Peer Support Services at Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. She is an active federal officer. So she actually is, you know, carrying a sidearm, kicking down doors, and all that cool stuff. She is a judo master, judo champ. So she can actually not only do it with the sidearm, but she can do it with her, her arms and her legs. <laughs> and she is the author of the book, Get Up and Fight, which is about her mother, Rusty Kenagogi, who is actually known as the mother of judo. This woman is phenomenal. And I'm so glad she's able to stop by and share some of her thoughts on knowing when to break the rules and also knowing how to get yourself in the right mindset to overcome those challenges that we all know life is going to throw at us. And as always, before we get rolling, I want to open it again. We had so much positive results from individuals putting their names in for the raffle each month. What we like to do is do something else special now. Instead of the one hour coaching session, what we're gonna actually do, this is actually really cool. We're gonna give the winner of each raffle, so once a month, access to my seven week strategic networking course, which actually is sold at $495. <laughs> I love it. I love that I get to share all of this with you. So again, if you would like to enter yourself in the raffle, the information is in the description to this podcast. So without any further ado, here's Gene. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from the Alex Trimble Show, and I'm here with a great friend. How you doing, Miss Jean? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me here today, Alex. Hey, I, look, I'm, I feel honored and that you're gracing us with your presence. You were just on some show uh, like Good Morning America or something like that. Yeah, that little show with about 3.5 million viewers. So <laughs> I was sitting there having a conversation with Robin Roberts, and she is just an amazing person. We connected just like you and I connected, and it was just absolutely fantastic. I was sitting there telling her all about my book, Get Up and Fight, in which we'll talk about uh, into the show, but it was just a great experience. Well, again, um, so I do have to ask you, we, I think everyone wants to know, um, uh, how does it feel to be famous? You know, you're, you're now, did you get a, like a star on Hollywood or something like that? Not quite there yet. <laughs> uh, I would love a star in Hollywood, but uh, I'm not quite there yet. So as far as fame, I don't know if I'm really famous. Maybe I'm famous on my block or in my circle of friends, but it doesn't matter who knows what you've done, who doesn't know what you've done, as long as you remain grounded, as long as you remain the same person. Because in essence, Alex, no, we're not better than anybody else. I'm not better than somebody because I was on Good Morning America or because I did this or that. I can learn from anyone, no matter what vocation they're in. And I want to actually become fam more famous because this way it helps me help other people help find their get up and fight. So, so I keep hearing this get up and fight. What, what is, what is this get up and fight? Is that, is that, is that, is that a thing right now? What, what, what is get up and fight? 
Well, it is a thing. Well, first, the first thing it is, it's a book. It's the title of a book I wrote, Get Up and Fight, which is the memoir of Rena Rusty Kanakogi, who was the mother of women's judo. But there's more to this. This is a fantastic story. And once you go through the story, you'll realize that you can actually find your get up and fight. Because here's what Rusty was. Rusty was a scrappy kid from Brooklyn. She grew up poor in Coney Island, Brooklyn, New York. She grew up in the 1940s in the Coney Island section where she pretty much had a fend for herself. She was an ordinary person, but subsequently changed the world. So part of Get Up and Fight is showing how with grit, with determination, you don't need anything but that to follow your dreams. And also the perseverance and the indomitable spirit to just never give up. And you can change the world, your world, somebody else's world, or the world for others. How did Rusty change the world? She took on the world pretty much that told everybody no, women's judo could not be in the Olympics. And she got women's judo into the Olympics in 1988. And I'm happy to share some of the excerpts of her story by telling you how she was resilient, how she overcame the resistance and how she found what her purpose was, because it's a matter of reframing and shifting from the woe is me attitude and the, oh, if this stinks, the world is against me attitude to, oh no, this is another challenge. And I'm going to take each one of these challenges and step on these roadblocks and build them up so I can persevere, so I can shatter these glass ceilings and open the doors for all of the women behind me. She also fought for equality in women in sports with Billie Jean King fighting for Title IX for fairness. Rusty never wanted anything more but she wouldn't settle for anything less. She did not believe in just reveling in mediocrity. So yeah, I, I love that you said that, and especially that reveling in mediocrity. I, I literally just did a course today um, for FAPAC, um, uh, and we talked extensively on really staying away from mediocrity. And, and you know, you don't, don't want to be average, right? Everyone talks about the middle class, right? The middle class, middle being average. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know, the average person in America, you know, is living paycheck to paycheck, right? The average person can't go a paycheck or two without, without going into debt. Like, what does average actually mean? It's not a good thing, right? <laughs> I don't think well, we need you're, you're right. Okay, perfect example. And, and I use Rusty's story to springboard a lot on uh, these teaching points and these talking points. Because one of the things, if Rusty sat back and just accepted what was handed to her, the, the, the morsels that were handed to her, oh, you can take your team to this tournament, but we don't have money for this tournament, then women's judo would probably still not be in the Olympics. Rusty taught me never settle. If you want something, you go after it. You don't sit home and wait for that call to come. You go after it. You find your get up and fight. And that, you know how I derived that title several ways. A uh, little bit about myself, I'm a fifth degree black belt in judo, and I was on the U.S. judo team. Rusty was my coach. So get up and fight was something I heard regularly. But that get up and fight was also spilling over into my career in law enforcement, being the only female in a control tactics, defensive tactics instructor program. I had that, I had to reach in and find my get up and fight, find my grit, which is, which is guts, resilience, intestinal fortitude, and, and my tenacity 
So that's what that is. And circling back, growing up in Coney Island, Rusty had that tumultuous childhood. She grew up with a mother who uh, was, uh, because she got injured, was addicted to a painkiller, an absentee father, parents always fighting. So she had to survive on those streets. Some of her babysitters were people who sadly at the time it was called the freak show. And they were Milo, the mule faced boy and the pinhead sisters. Now, one of the things where Rusty was starting to build her character and which I picked up growing up is you don't judge a book by the cover. You don't determine who somebody is because what somebody else tells you who they are. Actually, the Pinhead Sisters treated her like family. And it's sad that they called them the Pinhead Sisters, but they were women who were sisters who had smaller heads. It was just their um, body. It, it, but unfortunately, they were exploited. So Rusty embraced them because they made her feel like family. They made her feel special. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that is how I grew up knowing you don't judge a book by the cover. It's how somebody, you know, like what Maya Angelou said, it's how somebody leaves you feeling. And that's really impactful. And that has gone with me through my entire career in law enforcement, through all of my academia. And I live my days in that type of virtue because it's not what I can do. It's not what I could say. It's how I make you feel. And that is so important. So, so I, I look, I, I got to, I got to challenge you on something you said. Okay. And, and, and I don't want to be messed up. Okay. It's not me challenging you. It's someone who's, who's listening to this right now. Who's going to challenge you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to transport their, their ideas and thoughts and emotions into this question. Okay. Um, a, a few years ago now we had a government shutdown. Okay. Government shutdown was closed for I think, the longest time it had ever been closed in history. Um, during that government shutdown, um, I took the opportunity to write a book. I, it, the Reaching Senior Leadership book, um, phenomenal book. It ended up being a bestseller on Amazon. Um, great book. And what I told people was, hey, I know you're, you're stressed out. I know it's, it's uncomfortable. It's painful right now. I know you're out of work. It's things, things are struggling. And utilize this opportunity to get better. Right. And when I said that, you wouldn't imagine the emails I received and people commenting on my video saying, you're so mean. You're so out of touch. There's pe these people are struggling. You're talking about building relationships and trying to better yourself. They're struggling. So I want to know where's that line between, you know, looking at the best, best in the situation, trying to work hard, or, or should I just be nice and say, okay, you're, you're, you're hurting. Let me, let me pet you. And you go, you going to stay there. Is that what I should do? Is that what we should do? Absolutely not. Unfortunately, if we lived in the world of everybody gets a trophy, nobody would strive to better themselves. So it's a matter of reframing, you know, yes, they, people are struggling and people were struggling, but if you look at the science of positive uh, psychology and happiness, the more, more altruistic people that did things for other people found more personal fulfillment, more happiness. So if you have somebody that was basing their happiness and their success on monetary income, well, what happens if that monetary income is frozen? during the government shutdown. Now you plummet in your success. So you have a few choices. You can adopt, adopt the woe is me attitude 
and go down that rabbit hole and spiral negatively or you can try to build the relationships like you said and build your success on your significance versus building your success on what you can buy because what what do we do we work to buy and then we buy and then we have to work more to buy more and then we want something Reach. different and <laughs> and it and it's it's a process so the advice that you gave is exactly on point and it's not even a challenge it's almost a no-brainer because if you shift it's you take the activating event and this is with resilience you take the active activating event then it's how does your brain okay the abcs how does your brain process it do you process it and go into the negative or do you process it and try to even repurpose that focus and say all right this is my given situation just like the pandemic oh crap i have to stay home this is the pandemic but you know what oh wow Look at this. I get to spend more time with my family. I get to clean out my closet. I get to write that book. I get to write that paper. So then it's a matter of the consequence of your action. What concept? Okay, so whatever your brain does with that, it's the consequence. If you go down the negative rabbit hole, negativity, misery loves company and that and that statement holds a lot of weight of water because when you're miserable, it just seems like it just compounds. But when you're happy and you, and I'm not saying happy, like you're out there dancing in the street every day, but when you're happy, when you're content, when you're building your hierarchy of needs up to the self-actualization, what happens is the happiness is contagious and it follows you and the people around you, they gravitate, those relationships get built because they gravitate towards you because wouldn't you rather be around a happy Winnie the Pooh versus Eeyore, who's always sad. <laughs> at, at one, absolutely. Um, and you, you, you remind me of another guest I had on recently, Willie Jolly, or Dr. Willie Jolly, um, International Hall of Fame speaker. And he talked, he literally talked about, he said, you know, when you squeeze a grape, what do you get? Grape juice. When you squeeze your orange, what do you get? Orange juice. When you squeeze it, you know, a lemon, what do you get? Lemon juice. And he kept going down and he said, what happens when you squeeze a negative person? You get negative juice. Yeah. And life is going to squeeze you, right? And so you have to have that, that positive mind that you're talking about. I think you're, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Um, so again, I, I, I do my best to, to not research the individuals <laughs> who I'm going to have the conversation with because I want these to be organic, off-the-wall conversations. But again, you make it hard because you're on like Good Morning America and all, your, your, your mom is, is phenomenal, right? Um, one thing that she did, one of the many things she did that I felt was so interesting. I was really looking forward to asking you this question. So one thing I learned from my executive level mentors years back was that if you want to be a leader, and especially if you want to be an executive leader, you have to break the rules. If you've lived by the rules, you'll never remain or become a leader because at that level is always something that has to be changed. Um, and it makes me think of your mom because she fought in a tournament, won the tournament, then had to give up <laughs> the, the medal because she admitted that she was a woman and women weren't allowed to be in those tournaments. Like she broke the rules. You know, like, so my question to you is, when is it appropriate and how do you as a leader know when it's right to break the rules? Well, it, when the rules are written in, and they're so out of date, then it's time to push the envelope. 
How that happened in 1959, Rusty went to a judo tournament to support all of her male counterparts because they were competing in the YMCA championships. Well, she brought her judo gi, which is her judo uniform with her so that she could be there to warm up with them and just kind of be a body to exercise with them. One of her teammates got injured and her coach said, hey, Rusty, you know what? We're going to put you in. We're, we're going to replace him and, and put you in. She said, fine. Well, her hair was short and she said, okay, well, it looks like there's all men. It didn't really say no women are allowed. So it was kind of repurposing the rules a little bit, but just to ensure that no extra attention was called to her, she took an ace bandage and wrapped her chest to really blend in. And her coach even told her, like, Rusty, don't even pull attention to yourself. Just get an even score. Well, she couldn't help it. She was thinking, I train just as hard as these men. And I'm fighting a man. And the guy who she was fighting was just wanting to tear her apart, not even realizing it was a woman, a man. It was just an opponent. And that's the beauty of judo because it was your opponent. And uh, they took the grip. They stumbled to the ground. He came in. He almost threw her. She countered. And finally, she got her grip and she completely dedicated herself to executing a technique. And she threw him for a full point and she won. And when she won, she said, oh, great, I won. And then she said, oh, crap, I won. <laughs> so then afterwards, the tournament director approached her and said, oh, I'd like a word. And, you know, when people say I'd like a word, the first thing that people think is this negative, this mm -hmm. this. Uh, negative talk, because that's what we do as human beings. We right away go to the catastrophic thinking. But she tried to force herself into, well, maybe he wanted to compliment me on my technique. And this was after she received her gold medal. And she was like, wow, I got a medal instead of a citation for fighting. This is fantastic. But so right then and there, when she first thought that she was going to get a compliment, and then she said, oh, maybe it's not so good. So that's how Rusty actually had that built-in innate resilience. And the tournament director said, hey, are you a girl? He wouldn't even recognize her as a woman. Uh, and she said, well, I'm a woman. And he said that we're going to need that medal back. You can't have it. No women are allowed. And she was, she was literally cringing and dying inside because she's like, this is my medal. I, I want it fair and square. I didn't cheat. I won it. But he said that the team would have to be disqualified if she didn't give it back. So she gave it back to him. And that was where she found her purpose for existence. That pivotal moment when she said, no woman will ever suffer such an indignity ever again. Not on my watch. I need to change this and I need to change it now. I don't know how, but that's how in Japanese we call it ikigai. What that is, is defining the reason you're alive, your purpose for existence, your, what you have to do, where life is going to bring you. Rusty had no idea what was in store ahead of her. She had no idea. She was hungry for change. So she did break the rules because there were no rules at that time to be broken. And she pushed the envelope for change. And that is so important, especially when the rules are written in so much that it's ex it, it discriminates and it excludes because Rusty was 100% about diversity and inclusion even before we use these words in everyday language. Uh, our judo school was in the middle of Brooklyn in Flatbush Avenue. So uh, we had, I mean, my brothers and sisters on the judo mat were Haitian, Jamaican, Bar from Barbados, from Italy, from all over Europe. I mean, it was just 
amazing. So that's how to answer the long answer to your question about rule breaking, pushing the envelope, and really opening doors and paving the way for others that follow. So, you know, I, I had I had to look this up real quick. So, so I know people are not going to like me right now. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, I understand that I'm accepting it. Um, you, you make me think of uh, it's Miss Richardson, right? The 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 woman, uh, the fastest woman in the world, um, who recently got in trouble for um, having marijuana in her system. Um, and you know, I was having a conversation with with a, with a friend of mine, and um, and he was like, "Look, the reality of those are the rules. The rules are the rules." And I said, "You know, look. One, I appreciate that. One, she just said, look." I'll take whatever punishment there is. You know, she's she is she's owning up to it, whatever it is. That said, there are bad rules, right? And we have to we have to fight and push against those rules, or else they'll never change. You know, I, I had to I had to bring it up to him. I was like, look, for a while, slavery was the rule. Like, <laughs> this doesn't make it a good rule. Um, you, we we have to like your mom, we have to find those, those rules and we have to push against it and change it because otherwise the system remains the, the same and it continu- continues to, to negatively impact groups of people unfairly. And, and that's, just, that's just not right. That's true. You know, there are some crazy rules that I've read over the years. Something, I, and again, it's, it, I'm just using this as an example, like you can't use pink stamps on a Sunday in some state you know, or to mail a letter. And, and believe it or not, these are crazy rules out there and they are still on the books that, you know, it's illegal to walk your dog, you're holding the leash on your left hand in another state. And these rules were written maybe in, you know, 1842 or something that, like that. So what we do, ha- what we have to do as a society is find these rules, these nonsensical rules and start changing them. And there's a process to change them. Obviously, Rusty went through the school of hard knocks to change them. This young lady will have to abide by the rules. and, uh, And I commend her for taking whatever, because rules are definitely rules at the time. But if you want to affect change, what you do is you take that rule and you focus on it and you start lobbying for change. You start pushing the envelope. You start demanding change in a pro- through the process. You can't jump up and down and say, not fair, not fair, and do nothing. It's like somebody saying, hey, somebody call somebody to do something. No, you have to be that somebody. You have to make that change. And uh, when I competed uh, internationally and nationally, I had to abide by some rules that it didn't make sense to me I had a cold and I had to compete, but yet I couldn't take Sudafed because if it was found in my system, then it was, then I would be disqualified and nothing is more uncomfortable than Mm -hmm. having to go to the bathroom right after you win a match and some gigantic lady standing over you, staring at you. So I, I definitely did the drug testing through sport and I couldn't understand why can't I take cold medicine? This is, this is insane. And I'm sure rules have changed since and things have been reexamined and there are committees and, and experts that, and, and physicians for whatever reason. But if you want change, you can't stand on ceremony. You literally have to be that someone to do that something. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do in law enforcement for mental health to get better protections and better services out there for the federal law enforcement community to be able to bridge the gap and smash the stigma. 
there are rules. There are questions. There is the US OPM background form. There's a lot of change that has to happen. And it will take an act of Congress, like literally an act of Congress. But the process, you follow the process, you keep your eye on the ball, and you can change those rules. Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com courses networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com courses networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. So you mentioned something. I'm glad you mentioned it because you made me think. Um, so in addition to author, world famous author, um, you also have other gigs. I'm not sure how much you can share about those other gigs, but the point being uh, you have other gigs. How do you do all of them. And I'm not sure if you want to talk about at any extent what other gigs there are. And I don't want to put you on the spot. How do I do all of them? Well, first of all, I have a few other gigs. Um, I am an author, as you know, I will be doing some uh, motivational speaking coming up. And I also have a day job. I am still an active federal agent. Robin Roberts even said it. So I am an active federal agent uh, for the US government. And I work my cases, I do my search warrants and, and go and do my interviews and serve subpoenas, just like all, all the rest of everybody. Uh, I also volunteer as the director of mental health and peer support for the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. And that is a volunteer position in which as a national board member, I get to reach about our 30,000 people membership to be able to help them bridge the gap 
into getting the help. I mean, you know, mental health has taken such a toll and such a hit, especially during the pandemic. So what I do is I author article, articles for our journal magazine and whatever police and law enforcement publication. I get, I send out e-blasts just to let everybody know that they're not alone, that they matter, that we are here. Uh, one of the other things that I, I'm on the advisory committee for, or the advisory board for Blue Hearts for Heroes, and that's a new organization that is available to help law enforcement families with special needs children. So uh, with that, I'm also with the Resilient Minds on the Front Lines, which also is a 501c3 to help promote resiliency. And that's not just for law enforcement, that's for everybody, everybody from school children to corporations to the average Joe. Uh, a couple other things I do is I volunteer to help uh, with the Women's Sports Foundation. That's something near and dear to my heart where uh, I picked up a little bit where my mom left off. And I'm sure there's a few other things that I do in between. Uh, I'm going down to, um, by the time this airs, I'll probably be down in Florida teaching some judo skills to law enforcement to help mitigate some use of force situations to give them more tools for hands-on without having to use whatever's on their belt. So giving them some more hands-on tools and I'm helping, I'm hoping that that helps law enforcement maybe with the community and getting better physical compliance before it has to escalate. So doing, doing that, and I'm sure there's so many other things that I'm doing and half the time I just kind of do them, I end up doing them and I just, I love helping people. Uh, that's the bottom line. I love helping people. So, so you, you set this up perfectly. So here's the deal. There are a lot of people in the federal government, state, local government, um, shoot, private sector, nonprofit. There's a lot of people who, who have a day job. They have a day job, um, but they know they're passionate about something else. They want to do something else, but they feel like, oh my God, I'm already working eight hours a day. I'm tired. I'm drained. When I get off the clock, I want to chill out, have a, a glass of wine. I you know, hang out with my friends, relax a little bit. You know, how do you, what do you say to someone who, who has a day job and know they want to do something of passion extra, but they just don't feel like they have the energy or time to do it? I would say find your purpose. Uh, ask yourself these questions. What do I love? What am I good at? What does the world need right now? And what can I get paid for? Write down the answers to those four questions. And that's part of the Japanese ikigai, finding your reason for existence, finding your purpose. Find, and it's gonna take several tries because it's not a you know, one and done. You, you will have to keep doing this over and over. But when you start seeing the same thing, what do I love? Say you love writing. What can, uh, what does the world need right now? The world needs a book on Rusty Kanakogi. What do I find passion in? Well, I find passion in using Rusty's story to springboard and to inspire and empower people. And what does the world need right now? Well, obviously the world needs Rusty and there right there is my current purpose. The perfect, uh, in English, the purpose for existing is similar to Ikegai. Uh, the Y Cafe is a really good short read that makes you think a little bit about that. So how do you do it? 
I, found, I must have found the 25th hour in 24-hour days because relationships, as you mentioned earlier, are so important to me. So with technology, sending somebody a text, today, matter of fact, one of my friends just randomly sent me a sweet text, and that's what I do. And I surround myself with people. You know, water seeks its own level. I, I trim the fat. I mean, I've got enough fat to go around, so I, I could trim the fat because you don't need those, those weights holding you down. You need people who are going to not always be, like I mentioned, out dancing in the streets, but you need people who are going to lift you up. You need people that even if you trip, they'll be there to catch you and prop you back up. And that's who you have to be to other people. And the better the person you are, you will actually find the time. You can actually do an exercise for those people who are, okay, I work in my day job. I just want to chill and have a glass of wine. Write down your gratitudes. T take a minute every day and write down three things you're thankful for. And if you're not ready for that, write down three things that went well for you today and the, and the reasons why. If you can do yourself a 21-day challenge, you, believe it or not, will find some really good stuff happening to you because this is making you take a moment, stop and really know why you're grateful. You may have had a bad day, but one of your gratitudes may be you got up that morning. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I, I literally just did a, a, a video on YouTube and I, I encourage people to find me on, on, on YouTube It's youtube.com forward slash Alex Trumbull. Um, and and you're 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 so right about creating that 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 culture around yourself, putting yourself around the right group of people. I tell people, I, I, literally, one of my one of my talks I give, I talk about how um, we're social, we're social beings. Like humans are social beings, and I said that that's why you know solitary confinement is so difficult, right? Because being away from other people, not being able to interact with other people is really, really hard for us. And so there, what's, what's the word? Um, um, oh my goodness. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but I, hopefully I'll think of it. But basically there was a study done on monkeys uh, and they said they, they taught a monkey how to open the food more efficiently, much quicker. So they can eat, get to the food quicker. Right. And um, the monkey was doing it. Cool, 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 cool. Well, they take that monkey and they put it in a group of monkeys that didn't know how to do that, that new technique. Can you guess what the monkey did? It started doing the old technique, right? Because the monkey wanted to fit in. It's so important who you keep yourself around because it's called, oh my God, I just had the word in my mouth again, peer pressure. Goodness gracious, peer pressure. You know, people think sometimes peer pressure is bad, but peer pressure isn't bad. Peer pressure is peer pressure. And if you put yourself around peers that are not supportive, then that's what's going to happen. But if you put yourself around peers who are super achievers and who want to get something done and are going to encourage you and motivate you, they're going to peer pressure you to do awesome things because again, you're going to want to fit into that group. So I, I love what you're talking about in regards to having the right people around you and how important it is. It truly is. And, you know, they, they say, uh, I think I was just reading a book and it said something, you are a component of your five closest people and that's who you are. So if your five closest people are, are go-getters and good people and people all about positivity, 
And though that's who you are, because again, you are who you walk with, water seeks its own level. And, you know, one of the things is the peer pressure. So you surround yourself with good people, and that is fantastic. And, and just to bring it to back to Rusty for a second, that's what she did. Rusty didn't get women's judo into the Olympics alone. Rusty surrounded herself with good people. In 1962, she went to Japan to train in judo, and she was forced to be on the women's side. And she learned kata, which is a great foundation of techniques. And she really learned a lot of the judo there, but she wanted the fight. So she fought to get into the men's side of the dojo, which is um, the judo school. And she embodied the mantra, fall down seven, get up eight, because all they did was throw her all over the place. And matter of fact, she was, the news was there. People were taking notice because where else are you going to find a five foot nine, 200 pound redhead from Brooklyn, New York in the middle of Japan and the Kodokan. So one man's father told him, Hey, I saw that woman on TV, uh, that big redhead woman, you know, you should go marry her and she'll give you big, strong children. And I call that man, my dad because he did, he did marry her. They became, <laughs> my mother met my father at the Kodokan and admittedly he said he was terrified of her. He had no idea what this, this woman from New York, she looked different, she was tall, she was out, outgoing and uh, they, they had that instant connection. They became really good friends and uh, he was given the opportunity to teach anywhere in the world and he chose New York because he wanted to come and find her. And subsequently here I am. <laughs> so, but what's really cool about uh, this is my father's lineage, he comes from samurai lineage. So technically, Alex, I'm a princess. And I was just, I, I, I promise you, I, that was my next thing I was going to ask you. I know you have samurai lineage. I want to ask you, like, did, did that impact you at all? Just knowing that impact you at all? Uh, I think it did, but growing up, uh, we, I learned two traditions. I learned how to grow up in a, I guess, a Brooklyn Jewish household, household and also in a Japanese household. So, you know, eating borscht with chopsticks, very challenging. How do you eat gefilte <laughs> fish with chopsticks? So, so you want to talk about diversity. I mean, that, that, that embodies diversity right there. But the samurai lineage, what was really cool about that, all the way back in the day, uh, there was a castle, uh, and it's now called Komamoto Castle, but that was Kanakogi Castle. So, of course, when I was in Japan, uh, I went to the castle, and I told everybody to get out of my house, and all the Japanese just covered their face and laughed and, and <laughs> walked away from me, thinking I was like Godzilla from New York or something. So, <laughs> so but what's really cool about the Kanakogi clan is we also had a cave. And in that cave, Miyamoto Musashi wrote the Book of Five Rings. Uh, yeah, so that, that's a huge connection. So yeah. having that, my mom told me the story where my she and my dad went to Japan and he went into a store asking directions and they said, oh, well, who are you, stranger? And he said, he's Kanakogi. They just started bowing to him. So it was, it was amazing. So... so he was one of her teammates. This is who she surrounded herself with. Yeah. People yeah. like my dad, people yeah. of, of like mind, because when Rusty had her mind set on something, which was about equality, she wouldn't stop. She was relentless. And the people who you least expected to join her totally joined her. 
Well, you, you know, we're, we're starting to run against our time. I know that you have some stuff to get to. I think you have like a, a red carpet walk or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I do. I wanted to make a comment on, on one thing you said before I open the floor to you. You, you, you said your mom wanted to learn her craft better. So she went to Japan. Um, wow. Um, I, I, I guess this is me being a little bit facetious. Why did she do that? Why didn't she wait for her employer to pay for her ticket there? Um, did, did her employee, ta- did her employer take pay for a ticket or did she you pay out of her own pocket? Do you know? She paid for out of, not only did she pay out of her own pocket, but her students that she taught at the YMCA all collected money. And at that time, somebody had a friends and family discount who worked for the airline. Uh, her judo instructor asked the judo instructor in Japan if she could stay with him. So this was all beg, borrow, and steal. Her, her students even bought her a suitcase because Rusty at the time was working for the phone company. So they didn't know anything better. They, did, they didn't know what judo was. Uh, my, my grandmother used to tell everybody my mother was doing Judy. <laughs> so I hope I hope everyone knows where I was going with that question. If you want something, make it happen. There, there there's no waiting on, you know, this my supervisor to pay for it or my organization. If they care about me, they'll pay for it. Well, if you care about you, you'll do it. Right. You will find a way again, beg, borrow, steal. There's so many different things in life that I, I've had to, you know, and again, I'll be real. Like in early on in my career, I was very, very good with finding ways to get other people to pay, um, pay for me to go to things. I was very good. Um, and, and the first time I actually got invited, and this is actually my, my book, The Reaching Senior Leadership Book, um, the first time I was invited to this massive, gathering with all these influential people, they're like, no, sorry, you, you, you got to pay for it. I, I remember going back and forth with my wife over it. The ticket was 500 bucks. And I'm like, I'm like sweetheart, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to pay. And she's like, Alex, who, who's going to be there? Oh, this person, this person, this person, this person. And you're not going to go for 500 bucks. Really? Seriously? And I did it. And it completely changed my life. The people I had access to, the, the relationships I built, the, that it, I am who I am today because of all those things. And it was me saying, you know, if I want something, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And so I I love the story about your mom and and how she's done all these great things. I want to open the floor to you. Is there any thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share with our guests as we begin to wrap up? Absolutely. You know, just to build off of what you were saying, I wanted my PhD and I wanted it, my PhD in psychology. So what did I do? I paid for it. I got my student loans and I paid them off because then I wanted my house and I couldn't get my house if I had the outstanding loans. So if you want something, you will find a way. Don't sit back and wait. Don't revel in that mediocrity, waiting for that phone call. Go get it. You see behind me, Rusty used to say, in life, either you're the hammer or the nail. Be the hammer. The hammer is fluid. It has nothing to do with being strong and bullying or anything like that. The hammer is strong. It's fluid. It builds things. The nail stands there and gets hit on the head. Don't stand there and get hit on the head. Be the fluid, moving, strong thing. (laughs) There is nothing else to be said. I don't normally ask this, but I would love to just ask you, hey, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? 
You can find me at www.rustykanakogi.com. And my email is gene at rustykanakogi.com. Those are some very difficult. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm making a joke, right? They're, they're very straightforward. So everyone should be able to remember that and reach out to her. And you can, you, you're also on LinkedIn, right? Because you, you and I are yep. LinkedIn. Okay, yep, I'm a- He's everywhere. You're everywhere. Just Google, just Google me. Just you'll, Google. you'll find something. <laughs> hey, you know, weird, weird. No, before we, we, we wrap up, I Googled myself. My wife actually Googled me the other day and the first full page was me. And she was like, that's good. Uh, you know, so I think the same thing for other people, if you want to do some stuff, do stuff, right? And, and, and Google, I think is a Google is a great uh, measure because if you're doing stuff, you know, Google's going to find your name, right? Um, I always tell people that it, it's, it's better to have Actually, as we wrap up, really seriously, um, I think there's there's three scenarios, right? Um, the one is that there's nothing on online about you. There's absolutely nothing. Uh, on two, there are bad things. You know, everyone's over here. You're doing keg stands and crazy stuff, right? Um, and then there's three. There's positive things for you. If you rank those from worst to to best, um, the best would obviously be having positive things about you in the internet, right? Because you want to be telling a story about yourself. You have the ability to tell a story about yourself and how people are going to perceive you. Do it. The second best is to have, honestly, negative stuff about you. Um, Because the reality is that if you have nothing online about you, which some people have tried, it looks super sketchy nowadays. Um, a, A lot of employers like, well, what are you hiding? So again, I'm not advocating for having negative things. I'm, not, I'm literally not advocating for it. So if I want to go out and do a keg stand right now and say, well, Alex said, do it. I'm saying <laughs> what you should be doing is doing what Jean's doing. If you Google her name, she pops up. What, do you, what happens when, we, when you Google your name? That's a great thing to do, do today. Hey, look, thank you so much for joining us today, Miss Jean. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time. And thank you to everyone and all of our listeners today for, for spending the time to listen to this conversation. What, again, I'm going to sound like a broken record, which I just realized that not everyone, all generations will know what a broken record does. But the point being, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value in this and what we share, shared and talked about today, don't keep it to yourself. Don't look and say, hey, that person over there, they would have valued, they would, they would have loved this conversation. Oh, well, well, for them. No, you don't do that. You don't just look back, you reach back, you bring this information to them or you bring them to the information. You make sure that you take what you found of value here and you make sure someone else sees it. As always, I want to thank you again. Stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.